We're trusting that God will give us an opportunity to minister uniquely to some children through the Word of God and through just the love of Christ. And so thank you for your enthusiastic kind of support of that over these last several weeks as you've brought in supplies and um, given us great ideas. And many of you have just so graciously volunteered to be part of all or some of that um, effort this summer, so we mostly appreciate your prayers and um, asking that God would be powerful in the lives of our kids and the kids of the neighborhood in which he's placed us to serve him. The focus of that time <clears throat> together in, at Camp Jericho, of course, is going to be the Joshua narratives, particularly the story of Jericho as God so powerfully bring, brings down the walls and um, shows himself once again faithful in keeping his promises. And that's what I'd like to talk about this morning. Um, We're going into just a little time of kind of pushing pause on a lot of what's going on around here as you all enjoy your summer together and maybe get a little margin of time to travel or put your feet up, enjoy your homes, your neighborhoods, wherever your vacation place is. And so we're having a little time together called Summer Devotions And each week we'll just take a topic that hopefully will be an encouragement to you. So this morning I'd like you to turn with me to the beginning of that great story of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. If you have a Bible this morning, and I hope that you do, I invite you to turn to Joshua chapter 1. There are also Bibles in the pewbacks in front of you that you are welcome to use this morning. And if you don't have a personal copy, please take that with you. Um, That is our gift to you. I read this week, and I love this expression, life's best lessons are learned when the bridge is swinging. (laughs) I like that. Um, One of the favorite places for my family to go during the summer months, and even in the fall, is to Turkey Run State Park. And um, as you know, last year, I think because of um, the, the rise of the water, that wonderful suspension bridge Um, weakened to the point that they had to take it out and rebuild it. And now it is back in place, and stronger than ever, I understand. But it is really a magnificent experience as you go there, and uh, you see the the wonderful scenery of that, that creek, I guess. It looks like a river, but they call it a creek rushing underneath the bridge, and then you kind of climb up some steps, and then you get on that bridge. Has anyone, certainly you've been on this bridge, you know what I'm talking of, and you're making your way across because that's where the real adventure is on the other side. And in, you know, inevitably there's some knucklehead coming towards you who just wants to go like this and make everybody crazy, right? It's usually one of my kids or somebody else, you know? And if you're just like, what in the world? Can I just go across this thing and enjoy the scenery? Why do I have to hang on for my life, right? But that's the idea. See, this, this bridge, though it, it swings and kind of moves underneath your feet, guess what? It's designed to hold you. And it's not only designed to hold you, it's designed to give you safe passage from this side to the other. Now, I'm always, I'm I'm the person that before I step onto that bridge, and I think kind of, I bet Frank Cunning's one of these kind of guys. I count the people on the bridge before I get on it. 
I'm thinking, you know, I'm not sure, but surely somebody a whole lot smarter than I has thought through all the physics of this thing, and so we step onto the bridge. So I agree with this statement, don't you? Life's best lessons, and maybe its greatest adventures, are experienced when the bridge is swinging. You see, there are these unsettling times. Life is filled with transitions and uncertainties. A couple of definitions. These are kind of my uh, personal made-up definitions, but maybe they work. Transitions are passages in life when everything changes. Maybe you're in one. Maybe you just came out of one. Maybe you're about to step onto one like that suspension bridge. Uncertainties are times in our lives when we can't see around the bend. We cannot see what's on the other side. We cannot see around the curve. And it provides for us, at least this is how we feel, a very uncertain feeling. But what I want to suggest to you today, and hopefully that we will see from the Word of God this morning, is both transitions and uncertainty provide for us opportunities to discover God and grow deeper in our understanding and confidence in Him. Now, I want to read this passage, of course, and spend a little time talking about it, but then hopefully give you some principles in this summer devotion that'll get you across the bridge and maybe encourage you in your time of transition or your feeling of uncertainty. Here's how God describes this great story. First of all, the beginning of Joshua chapter 1, after the death of Moses. Death is a transition, right? It often brings those feelings of uncertainty. So that's what's going on here. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide or servant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. The first thing I want you to see and I want us all to understand this morning is that God always speaks to us in transitions and in times of uncertainty. I think this is remarkable that at this very significant time in the history of Israel and particularly in the life of Joshua as he was receiving the mantle of leadership from his predecessor Moses, very, very compelling time of both transition and certainly uncertainty. Guess what? God speaks. Do you know that? How faithful he is? I mean, if you read most of the the first five books of the Old Testament, it's God speaking to and through Moses. So how faithful is God then at this juncture to speak to Joshua in this time of transition and this time of uncertainty? God speaks in those times. We need to know that. He's not silent. He's not kind of sitting in the heavens, uh, kind of uh, wondering what you're going to do next or maybe indifferent to your experience. No, he is a God who speaks. He speaks into our lives. And if we're listening... If our hearts and our minds and kind of our, our, our attitudes are tuned in, we can hear his voice. And so God says to Joshua at this very, very compelling time, it, it's your time now. Moses, he's, he's part of history now. My servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I love that. 
Now, if you'll look back at the end of Deuteronomy, which should be in the page just to the left of that passage I just read, I want you to see something very interesting. Verse 9 of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34, look at, look at what the, how this story ends. J- Moses' story, that is to say. Uh, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So Moses was part of this transition. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Now watch this. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel. How would you like to follow that guy? (laughs) Oh, man. Even if it was true, Lord, did you have to put it in print right before I started the job? No one like Moses. Here's what makes the difference. God speaks to Joshua. And this is what he said. Joshua. I'm about to give them all this land. Verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. Guess what God does in times of transition, especially uncertainty? He promises you a prepared place. A prepared place. Your territory, he says, will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. And no one will be able to stand uh, up against you all the days of your life. He promises to Joshua a prepared place. Listen, what is in front of you or what you are experiencing or about to experience is uniquely designed by God for you to come to a greater and deeper knowledge of Him. It is your prepared place. Joshua faced enormous pressure. Certainly it's true. He was filling huge shoes. It was a steep time of transition and intense uncertainty. I mean, how would these people respond to him? He had a, he had a front row kind of seat to how God's people so, um, with, with such fickleness responded at times triumphantly to Moses, but then at other times in grumbling and in fear. What was in this land that he was about to take? You see, these were lots of questions. Were there dangers? Would they survive? Would everyone be safe? What in the world is God intending here? You see, none of that is revealed explicitly, but God does speak. And he tells Joshua that everything that is before him is uniquely prepared for him and already his to take. Wherever you set your foot, Joshua... I've already given it to you. Now I hope that maybe you in your time of transition or maybe if you're facing this kind of 
wobbling feeling of uncertainty in your life, you can take some encouragement also from the fact that God has prepared this time and this place for you. He's already been there. He's already in the places and the times and the appointments and the seasons that feel most uncertain for you. And he says to you, he says to me like he says to Joshua, do not be afraid. Don't be terrified. Don't even get discouraged (laughs) because I'm already there. I have given you those places. And here's something that, this is magnificent. You have the authority to claim them in my name. How about that? Now, we often feel like adversity is something that just we, do, we just need to kind of, kind of roll up into a ball and maybe get under a table and just somehow kind of endure. But this passage says something quite different from that. It says, listen, we can faith it. We can step into it with the authority of God's gracious name. You can take that land with confidence because it's been prepared for us, for you. And by the way, <laughs> as you do that, you lead others also. Yeah. He says, you, you will lead these people. Verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. So be strong and very courageous. How you step into this place, how you face this uncertainty impacts the faith and experience of God for, for those around you. And Joshua not only had a personal responsibility to respond, but also a larger prospect to consider. God has promised you, he's promised me a prepared place. He's already there. You can take it, you can step into it in the authority of his name and the confidence of his word. Second, God promises you his personal presence. Um, look, look what he says. Back, back in verse 5, he says, um, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, J- Jonathan is still a little afraid of water. We're, we're kind of working through that. And so when he's in the pool or in the lake, he's doing fine as long as his mother or I are right next to him. The further away we get from him, the more anxious Jonathan becomes because what he wants is the promise, the assurance of our personal attention and assistance. See, that's the idea. See, God knows that about our hearts. He knows that about our nature. And so he promises to Joshua in this time of transition, in this time of uncertainty, just as I was with Moses, I promise I'm going to be with you. That's a promise of his personal presence. Now, here's the question. I wrote it in the margin of my scriptures as I was kind of making my way through this passage. How was he with Moses? How was he with Moses? As as God spoke those words to Joshua, what what files would have come up in Joshua's mind? Well, to see that, I want to go back just a couple of more pages to Deuteronomy chapter 33. You see, as Moses was about to leave the scene, he offered a blessing to the nation of Israel. And it's in this blessing 
that we get some clues as to perhaps what God was intending for Joshua. Starting at the beginning of Deuteronomy 33, this is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, pronounced on the Israelites before his death, preparing God's people. I love that. He said, watch this, the Lord came. Isn't that simple? The Lord came from Sinai. He came. He came over them. He dawned over them from Seir. He shone forth, that's his glory, light, from Mount Paran. Do you know that one of the ways that God demonstrated his faithfulness to Moses is that he condescended from heaven to the planet. He came to where Moses was. That's what God does. He comes. He comes to our aid in his personal powerful presence. If you were just to go back and and review Genesis and Exodus, particularly Exodus and Numbers, it's amazing this personal relationship between almighty, faithful Yahweh, creator God, and this person Moses. He met him on the mountain. He met him in a a cloud of of, of smoke by day and 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 a pillar of fire by night. It was powerful how faithful God was. He even showed himself at one point, veiled, yes, but he he demonstrated his goodness and his faithfulness by, by bringing his own personal presence to assure Moses. He spoke with him. Moses heard his voice. I don't know how that happened, but Moses heard the voice of God. He was faithful. This is what God does. He comes down, you see. All of the religions of the world, we we have to somehow make our way up. Do you know that? We have to make ourselves right before whatever God we happen to desire to appease. That's religion. We have to do enough to kind of meet a standard, get as high above the waterline as possible, and then maybe, maybe by chance, we might find God's favor, you see. That's religion. No, you see, in this response, God comes down. In the blessing that, God, that Moses gives to his people, he reminds them, God came down. God came to us. And isn't that the essence of our faith? The word became flesh and lived among us. Came to us, you see. How faithful is God? No matter what you're facing, no matter how kind of uncertain it feels, if you feel like you're kind of on that suspension bridge, you need to know with confidence this morning that it is God's way, it is his desire, it is his nature to come to you. He comes to you personally. But there's something else. This is remarkable. He came, Moses said, with myriads of holy ones. He not only comes, he comes with a myriad of angels. He captains the host of heaven on behalf of you. Remember Joshua, right before Jericho, and we're going to look at this uh, during our time at Camp Jericho, the, the, the people of God were partying. They were having a wonderful celebration because God had shown his power and brought them across the Jordan River safely and with great success. And so they were having a feast. Where was Joshua? He, he was up on the hill. He was looking over the next horizon. And he saw Jericho. And, and he was bowed in kind of just probably anxiety, maybe uncertainty. Again, another time of transition. And the scripture says, Joshua chapter 6, that, that a man appeared before him. And he looked up and he saw this, this individual standing there with his sword drawn. And, and Joshua, I love, he, just, he, he kept his bearings. 
Are you a friend or foe? That's a good question, by the way, <laughs> right? Are you for me or against me? He, wanted, he was just kind of sizing up the situation. And the response of this person standing before him was, I am neither. I am the captain of the hosts of the armies of heaven. Imagine. Do you know? Listen, believer, <laughs> If you are in trial, if you are facing adversity, if you, if you feel the sense of uncertainty, you cannot see around the bend, whatever it is, God not only promises to come to you, but he comes as captain of the hosts of the armies of heaven. He comes with aid, myriad of angels on your side. You need to have that confidence this morning. These are not the kind of angels in, you know, like those spooky little TV stories. <laughs> You know, those weird things that show up and they're smiling and they got long hair and they glow. Okay, whatever. I mean, that's kind of fine. It's fine. But that's, that's not what I'm talking about. These are formidable, warring, powerful beings that serve on behalf of the faithful. That's what the writer to the Hebrews said. Aren't all angels ministering servants who come to the aid of all who wait for his salvation? Moses, he's saying, listen, God not only comes, he comes prepared for you. Angels. And not just one or two. He, he comes with legions of angels. He provides a shield himself. Deuteronomy 33 verse 12 uh, if you look at about Benjamin, he said, let the beloved of the Lord, that's you, that's all of us, rest secure in him. For what? He shields them all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. I love those little kind of canopies that these gals wear around their shoulders and they've got their little one right here, safe, secure, calm, peaceful. That's the image. That's you in the protective gaze and faithfulness of Almighty God. He provides a shield himself for you between his shoulders. Hey, listen. <laughs> Did you know that you were between the shoulders of Almighty God this morning? Just let that sink in. He's got you between his shoulders. Jonathan still, God bless him, at eight years old, still loves to be between his mom or dad's shoulders. Hannah, yeah, Jake, forget it. But Jonathan, he loves it. See, it's a, it's a good place to be. He's got you there. All right. Second Timothy, we just came out of our time in Philippians, and I thank you again for your faithfulness and being a part of that series. But I want you to see this passage written by the Apostle Paul. So this is New Testament. If you'll go to Second Timothy chapter 4. Paul was no stranger to transitions. He was no stranger to uncertainty, certainly even dangers, and trial because of his allegiance and passion for the gospel. Um, Particularly toward the end of his pastoral epistles, he talks quite transparently about the troubles and the struggles he faced because of his 
allegiance to Jesus Christ. But I want you to see something at the end of his final letter to Timothy. Verse 9, 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the Apostle Paul, his own words, end of his days. He's in prison in Rome. He's about to face the guillotine, and this is what he writes. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. He's gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus tell Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. God bless Luke. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. He wanted his books. He wanted his commentaries. I like that. Even at the end. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. So that's Alexander's epitaph right there in the canon of Holy Scripture for eternity future. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. Now watch this. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Verse 17, watch this. But the Lord, this is the Lord God, Yahweh, this is the word he's using. The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it in this most perilous, most lonely time of transition and uncertainty Paul said, everyone human left me, but the Lord God stood at my side. Isn't that magnificent? The Lord himself stood by the Apostle Paul. Um, about 50, almost 50 of us drove up in two buses and a vehicle or two up to uh, northern Ontario, Canada uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, it was a great experience. And we brought along a trailer with five canoes. Some folks from the ministry um, had it in their heart to, to donate some canoes to Camp of the Woods. And so it was great. So <clears throat> I was driving a, a, a vehicle, an SUV with my family, and on the back was a trailer. And on the trailer were five canoes. Two buses, a truck, a trailer, and five canoes. Something like that. Okay, so on we, we head up there. We get all the way up to... Duluth, Minnesota, we have a great night up there. We spend the night, we cross over that, that magnificent bridge at Lake Superior. We drive a couple of more hours. We get to International Falls, Minnesota, and we're about to cross the border, okay? So the two buses are ahead of, of Tracy and I, and um, we're watching them as, as they're sitting in line at the border guard. The first bus, after several minutes, it was quite a long time, uh, moves on, and then the second bus comes up, and another long period of time transpires as they're making their way through the border list and the passports and the birth certificates and all of these things. And meanwhile, all of our kids, except for Jonathan, are in the bus ahead of us. So it's just Tracy and I and little John in the back seat. <clears throat> and it's our turn. And so we pull up to the, to the gate and there is seated at this um, gate a, a Canadian border guard. He looks to be in his maybe upper 50s. He's got silver gray hair like I do. And he's sitting there and he's quite stoic in his expression. And, and he hands me the paperwork that Paul Acey had given to him. It was my passport, Tracy's passport, and Jonathan's 
birth certificate, and he said to me, is Jonathan with you? That was the first things he said to me. Wow, how did he know? And I said, yep, that's him back there, the little curly-headed guy. So he hands, hands me the, the paperwork, and then he turns and he looks at the back of the, the trailer, and he said, so what's with the canoes? Now, we hadn't quite gotten our stories straight, so I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to tell him what's with the canoes. I said, well, we're going up to um, Camp of the Woods, and we're bringing a bunch of teenagers and folks up there to work at the camp, and we're bringing some canoes. And he said, are you leaving them there? And I said, yes, we are. He said, how much do you think they're worth? (laughs) Now, I really didn't know. So I guessed. I kind of guessed. And um, I said said, uh, probably about 100 bucks a piece. I think people had spent about $200 a piece for him. So I was was a little short. But I really didn't know. And so he, he, he said, okay. He wrote that number down. And, um on a yellow sheet of paper, handed us our passports and birth certificate, and then he handed me the yellow sheet of paper, and he said, please pull up there and park and take this yellow paper into that building over there. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And so we pull up, and we had these little two-way radios that Doug Miller had very ingeniously given to all of us, and I called ahead, (laughs) and I said, hey guys, they want me to come in to the building. It's something about the canoes. I don't want to go in there alone. <laughs> and so, God bless them. In the pouring rain, Nick Saris and Doug Miller hopped out of the buses and they, they came into the, the border guard building with me. Okay, now we're in queue. I'm in queue with my little yellow sheet of paper and Nick and Doug are kind of holding back in the foyer there and I I make my way to the line and there's this very zealous, no-face young man sitting at the the table. I mean, he had a no-face. You know what I'm talking about? Librarians often have no-faces. You know, Bureau of Motor Vehicle people have no... No, not anymore. But anyway, he had a no face, and I'm thinking, this guy's going to throw the book at me. And so I finally make my way up um, to, the, to the guy's uh, counter, and he asked me to sit down, and so I sit down. And as I sit down, the door opens behind this young man, and guess who walks in? The border guard who had checked us in at the gate. And he walks right in and stands right off the left shoulder of this young man. And the young man asked me, he took his piece of paper and he said, what are you going to do with the canoes? I never had to say another word. The border guard that had checked us in stood into this young man's ear and he said, they're donating them. And the young man looked at me and he said, do you have receipts for those donations? And before I could utter an absolute sentence of pure ignorance, this man again behind him said, they're all beat up. Just let them go. It's no big deal. So he looked at him. He looked back at me and he said, well, 
I'm taking his word for it because he's seen him. Have a nice trip. And man, Doug Miller and Nick Sears, I walked out of that place and we're just like, wow, how about that? Now, I think that guy was a brother. Amen? Or an angel or something. He stood behind. He spoke for me. He stood for me. He spoke for me. He knew who was sitting at that table. Some zealot, right? <laughs> for the law. <laughs> the, plea, the, the new recruit. He knew. And so he just moved us along. Praise his glory. God, this is how faithful God is. See, that's what he does for us. That's what he wants to do for you. To stand for you in your times of transition and uncertainty. And he says, like he says to John, he's with me. He's with me. He belongs to me. She belongs to me. This family belongs to me. They're mine. I've got this. so faithful. That's God's way. That's how we know peace in uncertainty. We can't muster it. It has to be delivered to us. It is an experience that comes only from His hand when we trust Him. We're transitioning to a a very unique and and wonderful time of worship that we celebrate together as the body of Christ. And I just want you to hear these words. Because none of it matters if you're not at peace with God. You cannot know these promises. You cannot experience His safety, His protection, His goodness, His faithfulness, the power of His Word, His personal presence, if you're not at peace with Him. You cannot. It only comes as we are made right before Him by His wondrous grace and goodness in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul says in Colossians chapter uh, 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. This is the one who stands before you and speaks for you. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Invisible, visible and invisible, thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things. Just listen to this, church. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And here's what I want you to see. By making peace through His blood shed on the cross. You were once alienated from God, enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. 
to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. And God, in his son Jesus, stands at the border of eternity and says of you, not because of you, not because you have any receipts of your own goodness or your own faithfulness or your own righteousness, but says, because of Christ... He belongs to me. She is mine. He is free. It's because of the cross. Until you've come to the cross, until you've come to face to face with the guiltiness of your sin, your condemned lot and surrendered everything in full confidence and trust to the finished work of Jesus Christ, you cannot pass. And it is in His name, by His blood, that we are made free. That's where the peace comes. Peace comes only from God through faith in Jesus Christ. Have you trusted Him? Have you made him your Lord and Savior? Have you repented of your sin? Have you received from him his righteousness so that you can stand before God and receive all these promises from heaven? That's first work. As we come to this table, we have so much to be thankful for. But mostly, we're thankful for his death, for his sacrifice that made a way for us. Can we bow? Let's just bow before him. Thank his glorious name. Can you just let his spirit kind of move into your life and speak to you? Maybe put his finger on some things in our lives that are just not right before him, dishonoring to him, and just call on his name for a fresh wash of forgiveness and grace this morning. Lord, I'm sorry for that attitude. I'm sorry for those words. I'm sorry for that, that doubt, for that fear, for that lack of trust. I'm sorry for that stubborn will. I confess those things before you and receive your grace and forgiveness. Thank you for the blood. Gracious God, how thankful we are that you have not left us to kind of wander, to struggle. But you've given us a hope in Christ of a new and living way. Thank you for the promise of salvation in your name. Thank you for the grace and mercy that was given to us in Jesus Christ. Lord, we bow before you. We give you our whole lives. In all that we say, all that we do, we surrender to you. In the name of Christ our Lord, for his sake. Amen. I'll invite our deacons and those who will be joining me at the table to come at this time.